0: I invite you to remain standing as you are able for the reading of the gospel this morning. As we enter into this time of Lent, we are reading each week a different one of Jesus's sayings, Jesus's phrases, Jesus's words from the cross. And so from Luke's gospel, the 23rd chapter, beginning with the 32nd verse, Two other men, both criminals, were also led with him, Jesus, to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one at his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. May God add blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of this portion of God's holy word. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. As you are seated, um, we have a few uh, announcements, a few aspects of the life of our church that we would like to share with you and make you aware. As I mentioned, we will be beginning Wednesday nights, this coming Wednesday. um, And because we are having this catered meal, um, we are asking that if you plan to have a meal with us, that you pre-register by tomorrow. And that can be found, that registration at PHUMC.com slash Wednesday nights. That information is also on the back of your bulletins um, and on our website, and we invite you to participate in that. As we begin the season of Lent, we are also beginning our paid in full Lenten campaign. We want to invite you to join with us in the spiritual journey of growth and generosity this. Lenten season, as we hope as a church to be debt free by Easter Sunday. Um, In hoping to be debt free by Easter Sunday, celebrating that we are free in Christ, as Christ beat death, um, as he freed us from debt with his life, death and resurrection in that way, we invite you to participate in that campaign with us. And you can find more information about that on our website. We also have calendars and devotional booklets available in our lobby, and those booklets contain not only information for adults, um, but information for how families are to talk about this and engage children and youth with this important ministry of our church so that everybody, no matter our age and stage in life, can participate in this meaningful experience. Last but certainly not least, we are in the midst of revamping how we best care for our church family. Um, And so we are so thankful for work that is um, underway to revamp our caring ministries here at the church. And we want to know what you need from us as far as care is concerned. There'll be a survey that you will be receiving this Wednesday if you are on our mailing list. Um, A survey that is going to be going out. It's a very short survey about the needs of our church and about how you might be called and led to help care for those needs, Um, because we know that it is not only the pastors and the church staff that are responsible for caring for one another, it is also the responsibility of the body of Christ. Um, And so we invite you to be a part of that as we seek to better care for one another, not only in this Lenten season, but throughout the year as a family of faith. And now these things being said, I invite you to join me in an attitude of prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So a few weeks ago, I had the amazing opportunity, thanks to our wonderful staff and team here at the church, to go on a short vacation. I was able to go and visit my sister in the city of Atlanta, um, and she works at a church on Sunday mornings as a singer. And so I was able to go and to worship, to sit in a pew on Sunday mornings, which is such a gift uh, for a pastor to be able to do. And as I went and sat in the pew that Sunday received the word from the pastor, the word that he had came from the gospel as Jesus is teaching us the importance of a radical form of love. When Jesus calls us not to look at people with an eye for an eye mentality or to seek vengeance, but to invite us all to turn the other cheek when we are wronged to love our enemies, to pray for those who hurt us. And as my sister and I were enjoying lunch after church, I turned to her and both of us turned to each other and we said, you know, but, but what about repentance? Where does repentance come in this forgiveness thing, in this turning the other cheek thing, in this loving our enemies thing? Isn't repentance and contrition a prerequisite to being forgiven by God? I mean, isn't that how this is supposed to work? And I became passionately indignant about this at lunch that day. And then I come home and I begin to prepare for today's sermon. And I realize that Jesus operates a little bit differently that Jesus has a little bit something different to say than us humans might expect when it comes to forgiveness. Today, as I mentioned, we are beginning our seven last words worship series, journeying with Jesus to the cross, And so today we begin with these first of the final words of Jesus on the cross. Up until this point, Jesus had prayed with his disciples in the garden of Gethsemane after having shared a meal with them, which we will remember later on in our service today. And then he goes to the garden of Gethsemane and he prays. And as he is there, he is met with his betrayer, one of his friends who has given up his location who has betrayed him into the hands of people who would do him harm. Jesus is arrested and he is brought before a court and he is tried and he is betrayed and as he is sentenced to execution and led to that very public execution, he is mocked and he is beaten and he is hurt and All of his friends at that point, at least all of his male friends, abandon him. And so as Jesus is hanging on that cross then, and he offers these first of his last words, it's very difficult for me to receive them. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Now, Jesus had said a lot of really tough words, like the ones that I listened to in that sermon a few weeks ago. But many times when we hear Jesus's words inviting us to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, we may be tempted to think of those as metaphorical words. Those are words that we're not supposed to really take seriously, or we put lots of asterisks and footnotes by them. But here, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, as, he, as he's in the middle of dying, being betrayed and abandoned by all who even claimed to love him, let alone the government and all of the people around him, he says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Those words inviting us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us are not metaphorical when it comes to Jesus. And that's really, really hard for me to hear. The word forgiveness in Greek is the word "aphemi," which also has a meaning of casting out or throwing um, or releasing. It it, it is this word to where we are, are released and freed And that word there, Jesus inviting the people that are doing these horrible things to him to be released and to be freed are given in this scripture before they even know what they are doing. Before repentance and contrition actually happen. And just like that doesn't sit well with me, Jesus is all encapsulating grace and forgiveness, it hasn't sat well with Christians for a number of generations. In one of the early renditions of the Gospel of Luke, right, we have these these scripture passages that many years ago um, were not, before the printing press, they were not printed, they would have been written down on, on scrolls on paper and handed out to people. In one of those earliest renditions of the Gospel of Luke, The lines, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors that are found in the Lord's prayer were omitted. People didn't want Jesus to have said those words. And St. Augustine talks about in the earliest Christian churches when they would say the Lord's prayer together, people wouldn't say that part. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors because they knew That if they were to say it, they would be lying. Forgiveness is really hard. And it's no wonder. Because as a church, oftentimes forgiveness has been encouraged and invited for us to experience in cheap ways. Will Willimon, in his book, Thank God It's Friday, about the seven last words of Jesus, talks about how one rabbi that he talked to about Jesus's words of forgiveness on the cross said, you know, I am all about the words of Jesus normally, but I don't think these are good ones. I think they're unhelpful. For an example of Jewish people forgiving Gentiles for killing Jews, That has led to a lot of dangerous, dangerous stuff in the history of the world, the Holocaust being one of them. Will Willemann also goes on to say that there was a woman in his congregation who came to him who was struggling in an abusive relationship and she said, I'm working on forgiving him. And he said, hold the phone. (laughs) As a pastor, let me tell you that it is okay for you to get out of that abuse and make sure that it stops and not rush to forgiveness. We have these examples of humans looking at forgiveness, preemptive forgiveness as cheap. Well, if we're just gonna be forgiven for it, it's just gonna go on again, why don't we just go on sinning? But from Jesus's lips on the cross, offering forgiveness for people who don't know what they're doing, it's a really tough thing for us to wrestle with. It's also really tough because I know that we humans often need forgiveness for those things that we don't know what we do. For being part of systems of injustice and oppression. For saying hurtful things off the cuff, but that are very hurtfully received, perhaps by those around us. And just as it is unhelpful and unhealthy for us to look at forgiveness as something that is cheap. It is also unhealthy for us to hold on to hurt and to anger and to allow ourselves to be eaten up by bitterness. There's a story, it's not a story, it's a real story, (laughs) about a man named Daryl. Daryl Burton. Daryl Burton was a man who, in 1984, was living in Ferguson, Missouri. And one day, out of nowhere, Daryl was arrested Because despite the fact that a description of a robber given to the police was a light skinned five foot five black man and he was a dark skinned five foot ten black man, he was brought in and arrested and then picked out of a lineup by people who were given deals in order to point someone out in that lineup and he was arrested and tried and convicted of murder and served 24 years in prison for a crime that he did not commit. Daryl talked about in prison being consumed, as he rightfully should have been, by indignation and rage, as he cried out for justice, as he sent letter upon letter to people pleading his case. And he said that he had read the words of Jesus, he had grown up in the church hearing those words, inviting us to love our enemies, but he said then he read Luke chapter 23, verse 34. And he read the words of Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them or they do not know what they are doing. And he said what he heard in that was Jesus asking God to forgive when Jesus, as the human, may not have been able to do so. And he said, at that moment, he said, God, I need you to forgive my people, because I'm so burnt up with hate. I don't know if I can do that on my own. And as he prayed for God to forgive, he himself experienced grace. And he said it was like his whole body felt different. Daryl ended up being freed as new evidence was discovered. He ended up being freed and is now a United Methodist pastor, sharing these words of preemptive forgiveness. Now, I don't think that what Jesus is asking us to do here is to abandon justice and to abandon repentance, to put up with cheap grace, but instead to look at Jesus's words from the cross and remember that even when forgiveness and reconciliation is too hard for us to find, that God's grace is for each and every one of us. A grace that is not cheap but a grace that invites us into freedom. Freedom from hurt, freedom from anger, freedom from abuse, freedom from injustice. God's forgiveness and God's grace cover each and every one of us and call us then to live into that grace to live into the grace of freedom. When Christ offers forgiveness, it's important for us to remember that this is God we're talking about. That this isn't us. That forgiveness and grace and life anew is never dependent on us and I'm so glad it's not but that with God, forgiveness and grace and transformation are possible to free us, to free us all, to bring us back to a powerful relationship with the one whose love is so great that he offers forgiveness even when we don't know what we're doing. I hope that as we begin this Lenten journey that we can wrestle with this understanding of forgiveness. That when it's hard and when we find ourselves questioning like I did when I heard that sermon, what about repentance? How do we make sure that God's grace and forgiveness are not rushed into to the point that that grace is made cheap. But I hope that we can hear in these words a powerful reminder for our lives that God's grace and God's forgiveness are, are, are powerful, that they are life transformative, and that they are for each and every one of us so that we can be freed, so that we can be made new, and so that all of us can grow to experience life in Christ. Amen.